Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I am your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast that's still tabulating all of the final numbers, and we'll get back to you in a couple weeks. Hopefully uh, that joke will still be funny next week. We are recording. Oh, <laughs> we're easy. we're recording on a Monday night because on Saturday afternoon at around two thirty, we all decided that we were probably getting too drunk that day in order to record the following ten a.m. Honestly, it never stopped us in the previous uh, <laughs> in the first year of recording episodes. Guys, well, I, I don't know, man. There are a lot. I could do a lot of things hungover, and I mean, you could attest. I have been very very drunk before but i was on like another level on saturday to the point where i was like there's no way there's no way i can operate heavy machinery the next day i don't think i could open my laptop i can't unmute all my computers i certainly didn't remember to upload today's episode until this morning so oh boy yeah i um god i think i i almost like pulled a wade boggs like before uh before a game where it was like I, I almost like cleared a rack of seltzers by myself. <laughs> yes, the, the old Wade Boggs and his spike seltzers. Listen, it's very famous that Wade Boggs is a is like the biggest drinker, was the biggest drinker in baseball. There's a really there's a there's a really good uh story about how they like some somebody asked a baseball player about it and he like went through all of the beers that Wade Boggs would have before a game. Like he would like show up and just like pack early and sit around drinking while the rest of the, the team was packing for like a cross Atlantic flight or uh, not cross Atlantic. They're not playing in London, a uh, cross country flight. What a role model for the city of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been funny if we had been trying to record this at like uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday when all of a sudden all of the screams just erupted from outside. <laughs> Yeah, hold, hold, hold for siren, yeah. hold for horns, hold for guy screaming with a with a broom waving in the air. Hold. <laughs> and uh, I, I think it's a little uh, it's a little just that we're talking starting this by talking about too much of a good thing because you hear the rock and mankind together, and for the most part, it's great. But then it, with everything, there gets to that moment where your eyes just start bleeding. Today we are going into the history of the Rock and Sock connection, the tag team between the Rock and Mankind. Bobby, do you have any background um, on uh, on this pairing? Nope. Uh, all I really was this is um, <laughs> allegedly sort of a Mick Foley idea, but the two have obviously worked together pretty extensively. Uh, had good chemistry. Both smart star power guys. Also, both guys who are not. Shawn Michaels or Triple H who had like a different sort of influence and relationship in the back that I bet probably had something to do with the rock and mankind sort of being, uh, bonding a bit over that. Probably mm -hmm. I would, I would, I would, I don't think it'd be too much of a stretch to, to project that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean like being outsider kind of people? Yeah. Like both of like there's gold, like neither are yet the golden boy. Um, but both are working their asses off to earn their spots. The, oh, so The Rock, I mean, I guess, so Triple H at this point is the golden boy, is well, that right? No, I mean, The Rock is the oh, much bigger story, but Triple H, at this point, I believe at this point, I don't know, is he backstage dating Stephanie? Uh, but Triple H is definitely having some pull and has a little, has a lot of uh, push in the back. Got it. And the story so far involves Triple H, Triple H taking the WWE Championship from Mankind, um... And Shane McMahon is firmly in uh, Triple H's corner, stacking the deck against both The Rock and Mankind. Both are being asked to have matches for a title shot against Triple H. The Rock needs to go through The Undertaker, except it turns out to be The Big Show. And there's going to be a lot of that. Uh, the Undertaker's going to be in this match, but actually it's not. It's everybody else. And Mankind had to go through the Mean Street Posse by himself with Shane as the special guest referee. So we are on the August 30th episode of Raw with The Rock shirtless and in khakis descending upon the ring. 
the king just goes hot jr when looking at the rock and we are all <laughs> agreeing with him hmm. okay first off um i think we all need to do uh the the rock did a great service with his impression of the big show where he just puts his hand <laughs> above his head and goes there are there are two ongoing motifs of this and i guess next week's episode one is uh good impressions Mm -hmm. uh and the other one is just an absolute onslaught of the r word just an oh my god unyielding amount of the r word over and over and over again those are the two motifs I picked bad. up on the most uh, throughout this. Uh, and the Big Show one yeah. is uh, somewhere in between the two. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I did think it was the Big Show stuff like that was very funny. Yeah, yeah no. Um, every time the R word came up, I was just like, oh, come on. Like, it's just, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, it, 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 it's like... Um, it's like putting ground glass in like a chili. You're like, fuck, man. Like, there's nothing that's gonna save this. Oh man, but but you still keep eating the chili because you're that big a fan of chili. Well, that's because Adabisi uh, put it in my chili and he didn't tell me, and I just think that uh, I'm having some uh, an ulcer. That's sorry. That's for all yeah, the uh, all you Oz heads out. All there. the Oz heads. <laughs> See, I, I was going to say you kidnapped because you kidnapped my brown glass bottle and then broke it up and fed it to me into chili, like the big boss man. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted my brown glass bottle back. And yeah, that's we what all, we did. Every, well, everybody knows about Bobby's prize brown glass bottle that he takes everywhere. Believe it used to be a Budweiser bottle, but now who knows? Uh, okay, so Rock is in there cutting his promo against um, Undertaker and Man or, and Big Show. Mickey Mouse tattoos, uh, shove your head up the Big Show's ass, and then Mankind enters, and Mankind gives, I think, is a pretty great like you don't like me, and I haven't liked you for for pretty good reasons. He brings up the Royal Rumble match, the I Quit match between the two of them, that was so insanely brutal that probably took a year or two off of Nick's life. But he offers to be the Rock's partner to face up against... They're called the Unholy Alliance, but they're never called the Unholy Alliance. Like, I'm, I'm not making that up, right? You're not making that up. And that is... It is very weird, and I always forget and always have to look it up myself. Because they are... That's what they're known as, but I don't think that they've called them once... That once, the entire, like, time that we've been watching. Is that just, like, a retroactive name that gets thrown on the Big Show and The Undertaker? That is a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, let me talk to my research department. Uh, I don't know either. But... Uh, but we get those wonderful moments of mankind twisting the rock's catchphrases around for himself and the rock getting very angry at him, which is great. I comment. love it. Uh, replacing the millions and millions of the rock fans with the dozens and dozens of mankind fans. And the crowd is just going fucking nuts. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, as soon as Mick starts doing that stuff, that's when I saw like what what the fun of this is because mm-hmm. mankind is always at his best when I mean mankind's great but mankind is at his absolute top best when when he's he electing becomes... Joe Biden <laughs> <laughs> look mankind voted there's nothing else to do no but like mankind is at his absolute top best when he is. Um, being a funhouse mirror of other wrestlers when he's like trying to adopt like like pseudo adopt a gimmick and tailor it and make it you know part of his world and he puts their what they do through the mankind lens it always because it it just it's the best commentary on on like you know everybody that he's I don't know if it's an homage or a parody or what you want to call it, maybe a little bit of both, but it, it's always funny. It's always good. 
Yeah, his best when he's when he's a funhouse mirror or when he's getting thrown through a funhouse mirror. <laughs> yes. So we get a if you smell and then uh, Rock shuts that down. What did I just say? And then to end the segment, Terry Runnels comes out. And and it seems like it's out of nowhere, but then Rock and Terry have a very special moment there. Uh, where he wants to know if you want to go one-on-one with the great one. I, I got... Do you think he's ad-libbing all of this as he goes on? Or do, is is this written for him? I would think this is a mixture. I don't think anything is ad-libbed. Like, mm-hmm. But I think he's coming up with a lot of it. But like, I think he's to... coming up in advance i think he's kind of like he'll be funny i'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make this get this over get this mm-hmm. phrase over get this get, get this on a t-shirt that i can sell some merch with well he asked her to go down to the smackdown hotel for lingerie strawberries whipped cream and champagne you like the bubbles in the champagne well bubble your ass out of here <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i understand like is he does that mean he is telling her to leave or does that mean that he is like i'm gonna I'm going to bring it all for you. I don't know. Like most of it, I think is just like, uh, setting them up to just say, get the hell away from me. Yeah. The rocks, okay. the rocks sexuality is kind of a weird thing because he's usually like telling women to get away from him while at the same time, just oozing this machismo and putting so many things up other guys' asses. <laughs> so many yes. things. <laughs> That also, that's a third motif for these two episodes. Just things in asses. Things in asses. Yes. Um, couple couple things I've noticed, by the way. When uh, Undertaker and Big Show come out, they call them as a combined 828 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, come on. Like, are you saying that, are you saying that Big Show is 500 pounds? Like, there's no way that, that like evenly split undertaker is 400 pounds that's insane like even at that height undertaker would definitely need to like watch what he's eating like like he's headed for a coronary <laughs> and so the- i also oh sorry nope you go, ahead. You, you go you go ahead i was just oh i was gonna talk about some of the stuff in the match mm-hmm. so if you were gonna head to there yeah that's where we're headed the rock and sock versus maybe the unholy alliance later on that night or as uh, Lillian Garcia calls him, the rack. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that Mick Foley is in his full sweatpant phase mm-hmm. where I'm like, just get cozy. Let's just snuggle up. Like it is the wrestling I want to be is just like wearing an oversized button down shirt and a pair of sweats. I need full range of motion that only the sweatpant can give. And I also, yeah, those deep lunges. And and I also appreciate that the, the Big Show is in his I'm aware like next to nothing phase of yeah. wrestling. Big Show showed up like a thick snack. Mm-hmm. That was actually another. It was Big Show or Thick Snack. And they went Big Show, but I honestly, <laughs> I think it's a huge missed opportunity for Thick Snack. <laughs> thick Snack, so many, Paul White. There are so many more branding opportunities. Big Chunky Boy. Thickums, thickums, thickums. <laughs> um. So why did why did Taker actually leave? Like, were they towing his car? Like, did, why did he just he just turned and walked out? It's, I didn't yeah, even understand what was happening. Yeah. At some point in the middle of the match, Paul Bearer tells Undertaker a thing, and then the Undertaker leaves. And I could never really fit. Like, I paid attention. I watched a lot of wrestling for this, but that plot point is never really ironed out. Yeah, like, like, do you, like, undertake, uh, Paul Bear's like, do you have a green El Camino? They're, uh, they're pulling it away right now. You got to get out there. I mean, I think this goes back to some previous conversations we had about the ministry and that the Undertaker, as a character, is not very smart. I mean, that's, that's what it comes, like, he doesn't exactly make sense. I will see later, I think in this, or maybe next week's, I forget where it's going to fall in the break here, but, uh, sometimes Undertaker's real dumb. Like, does some really stupid things that don't make any sense, and they don't they fall apart under the slightest amount of scrutiny. Well, yeah, it's it's the uh, it's it's New Girl. Um, 
Zoe Deschanel is pregnant and we have to hide the fact that she's pregnant. So we're just going to make up a whole bunch of wacky hijinks around <laughs> the fact because right now Undertaker is hurt as hell, correct? Yeah, he's, I believe, a groin injury from SummerSlam. So just the fact that he's walking to the ring is impressive in and of itself. Do you wait? Do you think that uh, the Undertaker, like at, at some point, like he rolled his eyes like a little too hard without stretching and like just pulled it? He's like, "Oh God, no, no, no!" Pulled his groin like it's all connected in one big muscle. <laughs> yes, like right. um, like like the Borat bikini. Like, oh, I was gonna say like like uh like a ventriloquist dummy, where like the you know the eyes and and the mouth and the legs are all connected in some weird way. My mother told me if I kept making this face, it would stick this way. So I killed her, or maybe Kate did. <laughs> I'm not really sure where the mythology is at right now. But also, here are my parents. Um, I think uh, it it definitely helps this match because he leaves and then The Rock tags in and then the match gets into high gear. We get that awesome uh, leap from the big show where he takes out both Rock and Mankind at the same time. But, I mean, if there's one moment in the match, it's that double people's elbow at the end. Yep. Everyone loved that shit. Did you love that shit? I love that. I I said it gave me chills. I really like it. And we have new champions, but can they coexist? (laughs) Tune in for the next eight weeks and we'll find out. (laughs) Um, So we're going to SmackDown now on September 2nd. Um I forgot to add something onto the homework where Big Show calls out Undertaker and gets Paul Bearer, who does not explain anything at all, and Taker comes out and whispers something to him. Uh, so there's a lot of there, there's there's some telephone going on. First of all, secret secrets are no fun. I'm secret secrets hurt someone, Undertaker. <laughs> Do you want to share it with the rest of the class? Um. And then Mankind comes to the ring and has an insane promo. Um, oh, yes. Where, where uh, he was playing electric football naked when his mom walked in? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Just making sure I had it right in my notes. But he wasn't masturbating, to be clear. <laughs> right. He was playing with himself with the Coleco football machine. To be fair, sometimes when I masturbate, I spin in a circle and, and don't get anywhere. Did anyone ever have fun <laughs> playing electric football? I mean, you know I didn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, but yeah, Bobby just kept like trying to tell them that he was bored and they're just like spinning. Which, which one is electric football? Is that is that the one where they're on like the little posts and they like they kind of move around and stuff? So the electric football, they're uh, the the you put the men out in like position on the football, and then the the electric football thing just vibrates and they yeah. go as they please, and you have no control over it. I just I got one when I was a kid, and my uncles were all very excited about the fact that I was getting this electric football machine, and they all talked about how much fun they used to have with it as a kid. And I took it out once, watched the men vibrate and was like, this is stupid. I'm going to go back to Nintendo. And that was your sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> um, See the one I remember. I, I remember the one with the red lights, <laughs> the little red dot lights. Yeah. And that was the one yeah. you like guided across. I don't remember it vibrating though. I remember it making a terrible noise. That was like, like no other noise, uh, electronic or human. It was like, <laughs> It was like this horrible, like, like a <laughs> digital screech that was like, wah, wah, wah. it was just this horrible gurgling. Uh, just, oh, you, like, you went to the Savage Land for but football. You, but you would move the red lights up and down and forward to get through but, the other team. And that was a handheld thing, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what he's talking this, about, I thought. No, this is. This no, I think it's up, different. This takes up an entire tabletop and has like uh, like Warhammer 5000 figurines that you, you put up as the football players. You put wow, a little yeah. football in one person's hand, and then it's like, okay, are the vibrations going to lead him into the end zone, or will he fall over? Yeah, it's like the electronic version of, like, racing insects. Like, you don't think that they're going to, like, you hope that they go in a straight, you know, line, but 
Whatever they do is whatever they do, man. First of all, I wish um, I had that now, and I would just recreate the Bane scene from Dark Knight Rises, where they just blow up the football stadium, <laughs> and that's like the new story. Like, who's left standing when it goes off now? Bart from you know what I mean? Like that would be my. <laughs> Who's it's always game, Heinz Ward. Who's playing who's game now, Batman? Uh, and that would basically be it. <laughs> I I did play um I did play the hand a handhold a handheld ugh. I played a handheld uh, game that you that you're talking about, Bobby, or something similar. It was like um I forget who made it, but it was, it was like, like Tiger. Uh, it was maybe, but my, yeah, whatever it was, it was like it was like rectangular and it was black and white. And, um, I had to basically like, I, like I would play against another person, but I would play against the computer. And then when I had to kick off, like, you know, if I had to punt, then like the other person would play against the computer. So it was kind of like, um, all time defense versus whoever is playing offense. I'm talking about. Yes. I had. I had a, a garbage bag full of those old Tiger handheld games where it was basically made out of, like, the same parts as a calculator. Because when you push oh, down yeah. on the LED screen, you could just see every move that was possible and every enemy that was possible on the screen. Oh, yeah. yes. I remember those. God, all the amount of time I've spent on those. And never got good at them, either. But They then, were not they were, good. But then, but then they were just cheap enough that I would just get another one and then get bored of that one. And that's our disposable culture. I prefer the games I got before those, which were just, they were Ninja Turtle themed. And you filled them up with water and you tried to get the little basketballs into the various basketball hoops throughout the tank of water. Anybody else? Oh, no? yeah, 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 yeah. Those are cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like similar to how they have like the little, the little ball bearings uh, yeah. and you want to get them into each of the, yeah. Or like uh, the things at the Cracker Barrel, where you have to to, to jump over the, the golf tees. <laughs> Guys, are, are we just are we just naming oh, games? Are we just <laughs> yes, yeah. First of all, uh, Aaron, that is an IQ test. <laughs> that is you're talking about a legitimate IQ test. Yeah, and that just it's an IQ test, and if you go to Cracker way. Barrel, you fail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And it all just reminds me of the way that Mick Foley admires the Rock's testicles. Mm. Well, I mean, who among us? They're full of fortitude. Uh, Finally, The Rock has come back to Worcestershire. uh, And The Rock is not friends with mankind. Do not talk about The Rock's testes. And then he talks about, um, what does he say? He's going to shine up real uh, real nice and stick up, up Mick's ass. Um, I don't know. I don't have everything that he shines up. Was it the, <laughs> maybe it was the championship belt or something? Cause basically Mick's response is, I don't think it's going to fit, which is very funny. Cause it's not. <laughs> this thing was too long. Cause then triple H and China come out and triple H is like, I'm going to fight that bald SOB. And we're all like, you didn't say Austin. So it's not going to be Austin. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, and mankind, uh, uh, instead, we are going to see the Rock and Mankind face off tonight for the number one contender. And uh, Mankind asked the Rock to lay down for him, um, but no, they have to fight out for real, or they will have a six month suspension. So we get that Rock and Mankind later on in that night, and I think it's fun. Um, yeah, we get a we get a new another Rock on commentary bit. Um, it's weird, like watching all of these back and forth and forth now and realizing that every time you watch Mick Foley wrestle, he has a sock down his pants, like every single time. So does Val Venus though. So, (laughs) Hey, no spoilers. Tune in next week to find out what we mean by that. But it also means no matter how clean that sock is, it has still been inside Mick's um, underwear while he was wrestling. I don't know if it was in his underwear, but it was definitely down his pants while he was wrestling. Also, not only uh, in his underwear, down his pants while he's wrestling, while he's wearing sweatpants, the pants that are designed to sweat. Yeah, why do they call them sweatpants? Are you supposed to sweat in them? Like, what's why? Yeah, they're for sweating. Because they're they're more flexible, and so you can do your your sweaty activities in them, like exercise. Uh 
and they're, oh, I see. They're pant. They're pants for sweating in. Okay, and they're more absorbent to keep the sweat in. <laughs> but that makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know. Triple H and China attack. Uh, Rocket Mankind fight back, and it winds up in a double disqualification. Where Shane calls for another match later in the night. Um, but instead, we have Linda McMahon coming out and, and saving us from that. Instead, we've got Triple H and Shane versus The Rock and Mankind as the main event. You really see, um, watching this, how this is a real anchor for SmackDown. Uh, like, something that they haven't had to do before now. Fill two more hours of primetime TV. And, and we're not talking about, like... WWE superstars where you can get like the I don't know who would be probably like uh Stevie too cool Richards. I think yeah. is probably wrestling on that right now but instead you've got to 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 have that top tier talent especially in this first month and so putting these two guys together who do not wrestle in a pay-per-view is a really great way to add some importance to the smackdown Yeah, and I think we'll really see it um, next week's ep- when we talk more next week's episode, just about like how many people this was able to touch and how many people got like a little bit of rub from working with these guys throughout throughout this. And speaking but, of rub, Shane gleefully rubs his dick on mankind in the middle of this match. Like that Bronco Buster was full of, full of joy. There's a China low blow. Shane gets kicked across the table, and then Mr. Ass joins in and gives the famouser. Rock gets the win. And we're on to Raw on September 6th, where we've got The Rock and Mankind versus Kane and Triple H. Yep. Oh, uh, and again, this is, uh, I think, maybe the first appearance of the R-word that we get, of many, yeah. uh, where he calls Kane the big red R-word. Yeah, you, you were, get used to that. That, uh, that, st- that one sticks. Um, oh man, yeah. Rock's impression of Kane is pretty funny, though, without yes. including that one. Where it's my name is Kane, and I am a Rudy Boo candy ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, as is funny when when mankind calls Hartford Harvard. <laughs> that's that's smarter and funnier. Yes, I agree. Like he's like he's like I'm not I've never been in an Ivy Leaguer, but I'm back in Hart in Harvard. I'm like that's so fucking funny. It's like okay, the Rock is the Rock is funny when he does the Kane impression, but it's also like it's not a lot of work to do what like you know to do what he's doing there. Like it's basically just like I'm going to you know uh, do the what do you call it the tracheotomy. Or the vo- the voice box, or whatever. I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna say the thing that I always say. You know what it is, but you know what it is, Eric. It's it's the it's the handsome, like charismatic guy from high school who can just like get over on by being mean. And meanwhile, there's you and me and Bobby, who are the mankinds. We're like, oh, but I have have cultivated a personality and know how how things are actually funny. Yeah, there is like a punching up, punching down element of this. I think where like the Rock, it's like it is. I mean, that's the character, especially now, though, where he's just sort of like, he's super over, but he's kind of an ass, but he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And that's like his yes. whole thing. Um, whereas Mick Foley, I thought, to me, the funniest, this was Mankind's Big Show callback. That, to me, was my favorite, was Mankind's imitating Rock's imitation of the Big Show. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I remember this. What did he do? Yeah. He just did the Big Show, but okay. he did the exact same style, and it was like, it was just like the. It obviously, it wasn't like the first beat, but it was just such like a nice, perfect amount of like self-referential within this little segment that it was just so good. It's the kind of thing that just shows that like he's just a little bit smarter with how he uses it. And yeah, and it's like it's it's making him into like the like the toady who wants like the the handsome, popular guy to to like him and acknowledge him, which is this story to a T. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, you can you look at the things that Mick is delivering and. If they were, you know, if if anybody was was kind of delivering it, it would it would still score something. Uh, obviously, Mick brings something to it, especially with the character that he's spent so much time building. But like, 
on, you know, divorced of all of the being over stuff, what he's doing is funny. You take what The Rock is doing and it's like a lot of it is the, is because it's The Rock, right? And like a lot of it is because people just really are just like eating up the same, you know, they, they like the repetition. They love, I, there, I want, I mean, at some point I want to go into this in a, a little bit deeper, the idea that like, you know, what are the rocks promos these days? Like a lot of it is like call and response, you know what I mean? It's, or, uh, you know, giving, giving the, giving an audience these setups so that they can participate in the promo. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like, like, um, it's it i was trying to think of like i don't know what rhetorical element this would be called like i is it repetition for emphasis is it dramatic irony it's i don't know what it is but like it reminds me of did you guys ever listen to um gil scott heron do whitey on the moon yes so uh if you haven't ever heard it listeners it's very good it's it's i mean it's well i think it's pretty well known but it's a really good, like, you know, a musical poem that he does. And the funny, the, you know, he does this whole thing and everything ends with Whitey on the Moon, Whitey on the Moon. And then there's the the very end in, um, in like, the more the most famous recording of it where he's just, like, he he goes a little bit longer in, in what he's saying. Like, I, I think I'm going to send this, send my, my bill, airmail extra. And then you can actually hear somebody in the audience go to Whitey on the moon. And it's like, you know, and then of course he says it afterwards, but like that feeling that that person in the recording has of like wanting, they know what's coming and they want to complete it for him is what the rock does. Right. Because it's like, you know, as soon as the rock starts talking about an object, everyone's like, Oh my God, he's going to say, you know, uh, and, and shove that some that some bitch right up your ass. You know what I mean? Like they're just waiting for how is he going to get to the thing that he always says? Wait, you've heard it so many times, and you think he ends it with and shove that some bitch up your up your? What'd you say? There was no candy. Ass I was in going there, fast. Come on. Um, no, what? I, oh, and, okay. and shove that some bitch up your candy ass. And right? I think this goes back to a conversation that we've had had before about kind of like the. the everything is church everything is is like we we've got these rituals now and the rock is the king of the ritual and and it makes everybody feel involved it's the same reason that that new age outlaws are as over as they are it's the same reason that the new day has been over for as long as they have it's because people want to feel as though they're involved they want to sing along with their favorite song yes yeah, that's exactly it. They want to sing along. And it's funny when, when Mankind like uh, drafts off of that because he's doing – he's kind of like uh, doing his joke version of what Rock is doing, you know, in sort of seriousness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Rock is a, Rock's a, jo- a different kind of joke, but Mankind's a new take on the joke. And it makes it funnier, and still people and people are still getting what they want out of it, where they get to participate. Back to the match. Though. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, China comes out with a sledgehammer. Triple H attacks Kane with the hammer, cerebrally assassinating him or something. There's a whole uh, there's a whole undercurrent thread here running through where Triple H is just making everybody mad at him, and that's what led up to that six pack challenge that we saw on Unforgiven. If you haven't listened to our Unforgiven episode, it's out now. And uh, while we're at it, give us a little uh, rate and review. It's been a little while. You've been listening. Throw it in there. I do want to say here on the sledgehammer. I feel sledgehammers are my least favorite gimmick. Like, because it just feels like if you're going to hit somebody with a sledgehammer, they're going to be dead. Or, like, right. they're going yes. to be, like, so hurt that you're not going to hit them again with a sledgehammer. And if you hit them twice with a sledgehammer, they're not moving. And, like, <laughs> you could tell me that Kane is a supernatural beast or whatever, and that's why he can withstand this, never mind the fact this happens often. But there would at least be a mark 
where that sledgehammer hit that person. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just feel like the sledgehammer to me is like the toughest thing to sell, and it just looks like shit. I just think it looks really stupid. It, is it well, just me? I I think it looks really. No, I think it's it used looks to really, break walls. But I think it looks really awesome. Like Triple H looks really awesome when he's got the chainmail on and he's holding a sledgehammer. It's a great like, accessory. It's a great, but but to use it, I think it it, it takes something away. Yeah, they don't give it enough. They don't give it enough dramatic weight. Mm-hmm. Like when someone's like they should people should be hit by it almost never. It should always be like a threat that never but like and when they do get hit, like they should be like they should have hit the undertaker with it and then it sent him out on the shelf on that time with like be, a, being besledgehammered. Like almost like uh like hacksaw Jim Duggan with the 2 by 4 but you never really saw him use the 2 by 4 He just carried it around with him. I mean, even a two by four is still like you can get hit with a two by four and it sucks, but like I don't know, it it's not as like damaging as a sledgehammer. The no, only I'm, thing I think the only what were you gonna no, say? No, I'm just saying as as an accessory piece, I think that it, it would work better. Yeah, like like to 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 have that be um, I you have the threat, the threat of the sledgehammer is almost worse than the sledgehammer, except for the fact that it's a sledgehammer. Yeah, hit with or yeah. Worse. Or like, or like Jake the Snake never like had his boa constrictor swallow anybody. <laughs> he never used the snake like a whip. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it was always just it was a it was a, a drugged snake in a bag in a uh, a pillowcase. He could have animal cruelty got put laws were, were very lax back then. I know. I mean, that's how you get your pepper steak. <laughs> I feel like they. I feel like if they could, like, there was probably talk at some point of giving Triple H an axe, and they were like, "No, we, we there's no way we could gimmick an axe, right?" <laughs> anyway, Mankind and Rock retain, and then uh, Taker and Show come down to the ring for Kane. I don't remember what happens. Do you? Nah. Nope. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Undertaker I, and Big Show are yeah. interviewed later on. Uh, there's a, a be gone Michael Cole moment. And stay gone. <laughs> Undertaker, like, that's the thing. It's like, boy, good thing Undertaker ripped his dick or whatever before this. Because for him to be in this sort of, like, verbal playground sparring match with The Rock <laughs> and Mankind, like, really shows the seams on The Undertaker. <laughs> and, like, what his upper, upper, upper limits are. Um, we're Did, there. I mean, every time the Undertaker talks, it's like the wrestling equivalent of when of the when the Undertaker is walking on the ropes and somebody shakes the rope and he lands on his nuts. <laughs> the under- like, it's it's like he's always landing on his nuts. All right, f- say with me on this: Is the the Undertaker is pro wrestling's spooky equivalent of Ralph Wiggum? Okay. Like the things he says, like it's just like <laughs> nonsensical observations. Like, Miss Hoover, I'm the Prince of Darkness, and you're like, okay, and it's like your Armageddon is coming, and it's like, okay, like it's very much so just like random shit. And then when he's trying to sound normal, like in these promos where he's like, yeah, man, get out of here and don't show your scared yellow tail, and you're like, what? Like everything is vaguely uh, Westworld. I feel like with him. <laughs> It's a card, and it says, I choo-choo-choose evil. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Thank you. I think he's just making, like, proclamations at times, where he's, like, his own, little, his own little world. And, man, when he's trying to talk to keep up with Mankind and, and, and uh, The Rock throughout this, he, him and Big Show just seem like the biggest idiots. <laughs> I think the problem is he just never did the work. You know, like, like Mankind, like... He was like he wrote out like a story bible around about who his character is. He like went through all of you know he went through the matrix of how does everyone feel about everyone, and like Undertaker was just like, uh, it'd be cool if I was just like, you know, from hell, right? Well, yeah, I mean, so we're uh, we're recording this now as um, Survivor Series is around the corner, um, the Undertaker's 30th anniversary and his his farewell. And I don't know that the Undertaker character was ever cooler than when he first came out and he didn't say anything like he, he just went out and just kind of, and 
kicked ass and sat up when he was knocked down and Paul Bearer screamed for him. Yes, that's that's the best version of him. But the Undertaker And also and also Batman Undertaker. Okay. Just because I like it. <laughs> uh but the Undertaker and Big Show challenge uh Rock and Mankind to a buried alive tag team title match on SmackDown that Thursday. And then we in in just going along with what we've exactly said, uh, Rock and Mankind respond. He does his Big Show impression again, and then he just rolls his eyes and goes, "Die, die, die." <laughs> Rock is funniest when he's making fun of other people's gimmicks. I think everybody is funniest when they're making fun of other people's gimmicks. Yeah, I mean, because it's easy, right? Like well, just to to point out the absurdity of of what everybody else is doing in this this very absurd thing. Well, it's also, I mean, it's truth and comedy. People are laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, that is true. Undertaker's gimmick right now is just, is, is like, um, goth cliches. Yeah, no, he, he, he fucking got the Undertaker's number, you know? Like, it's pretty brutal. I was trying to come up with other goth cliches, but I couldn't do it. I mean, they, there's a reason why it's monotone. <laughs> so on SmackDown on September 9th, we have The Rock and Mankind arriving. The Rock apparently drove Mankind in the trunk. Um, and The Rock does the, the it doesn't matter to Mankind's absolutely delight. Like, oh, you got you really got me over on that one. <laughs> uh, we see The Rock and Mankind backstage with Lillian Garcia. And my only note here, it says Bee Gees uh, because Mankind does a little bit of ah. Uh, 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 buried alive, buried alive, which reminds me, of course, of again, The Simpsons, a show I watch very much. Uh, table five, table five. And I just, again, <laughs> I love the intersection of, of Simpsons and wrestling, which I feel like the fandom has a very large overlap in that Venn diagram. I know my, there was nothing better than Sunday nights in this era when it was Sunday night heat from seven o'clock to eight o'clock. And then the Simpsons on at eight o'clock. So this buried alive match is, is very fun. Extremely fun. Um, uh, Oh my God. First of all, there's a, there's a spot that I fucking loved when big show. Yeah. Tosses Mm -hmm. mankind 10 feet, 15 feet. I don't know. I think JR said 50 feet, and I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) Half a football field from the stage to that stupid pile of dirt. You're like, that is 10 feet if it's a fucking inch. Oh, wait, no, no. It wasn't wasn't JR. It was Michael Cole. Because at at one point, he goes, mankind must be broken in half. And I'm like, you're not JR, Michael Cole. Yeah, how dare you? Hmm. Love the grave cam. Love, uh, love the Sako in the grave. And I think you're right, Bobby. I think that um, there's a lot of run-ins. We've got Kane in here. Um, we've got uh, Triple H. They're fighting backstage, and this is a great one to give a lot of guys the rub in um, a gimmick match that has not been overdone on this new show, SmackDown. It's crazy. I, Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, you. Uh, if you're going to talk to that point, go ahead. I was going to say that I think it's crazy that, like, these days, we never see, like, a Buried Alive match on TV. You'd hardly ever see a Hell in a Cell match on TV. You wouldn't see a TLC match, really, on TV. Like, but to see a Buried Alive match on TV, that just seemed... Uh, you would see that kind of thing back then. And it, that I, I kind of miss that. You wouldn't, you know, the the they were willing to do so much crazier shit on television. Whereas now they're so, uh, careful with it though. I guess, you know, they're probably more careful with everything and they're not doing these matches so much because they hurt people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it, did it bother anyone else that undertaker wouldn't shovel dirt when he got mankind in the, uh, in the grave? Like that's your fucking job, man. You're the undertaker. You don't do any shoveling. His it's a union thing. Really hurt. He needs the Undertaker's assistant. 
Yeah, like, what would you say your job is, sir? It's your undertaking. <laughs> but, uh... Triple H hits the big show with a sledgehammer, but then decides he's going to bury mankind and show and take her win. Leading up to another stone-cold vehicle spot. This one is so played out, I feel like, at this point. I agree. No other time needed spent on it. Yeah. So we go to the September 20th Raw, where uh, Rock comes in talking to a security guard, and it turns out it's Louise's birthday, and Louise is, is probably the nicest person who has ever been on Monday Night Raw. This I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. This felt like... Yeah. Because this, this, the tension in this was not when, when could we all collectively point and laugh at this one person? Instead, it was watching The Rock control himself or like mm-hmm. try to do the right thing, which was funny. This said much more, this was much more rewarding to me. Yeah. Um, can't, can't resist talking, bring up her gas and Maalox and all of those other things, but I, th- I thought it was really cute. Yeah, the sexual energy between them was palpable. <laughs> so wait, I have somewhere that somebody says, "Know your mouth and shut your roll." Who uh, was that? Was that Nick? Mankind said that early, early in an earlier. That's, that's later yeah. on. Oh, later. Yeah, yeah. I know it's in yeah. my notes too. Because uh, because first off, we've got mankind in the boiler room again, who's attacked by Midian, who's wearing the dumbest gear ever. Like, looks how like... dare they? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like. Midian saw the Road Dog's gear and was like, your gear is pretty cool, Road Dog. And Road Dog even probably said, is it? And then he's like, no, <laughs> love the color scheme, more eyeballs and chains, please. And was like, wait a minute, but you're not in DX. And he was like, details, details. <laughs> like, not important. I will just fully wear these colors. I mean, I when they, oh God, oh God. If there's one constant in this podcast from the very beginning, it's that boy, do we hate us some Dennis Knight. Like boy, no matter what gimmick he is, we hate him. It's everything. He's always so bad. And I can't tell you the rage that surfaced within me when he came into this storyline. I was so angry. <laughs> I could not believe that we had to fucking see another thing that had, how is it? All the wrestling we're not watching from the 90s. But if Midian's in it, forget it. We see every fucking match. We don't miss a minute of Midian. You know, I think Kurt Angle's here at this point or something. Like, I feel like we're not seeing anything too cool. There's, like, tons of stuff happened that we're not seeing because they're, like, rising to prominence. But, oh, man, if fucking Midian shows up, you better – what's the time code? Get the time codes. We got we got some prime Midian viewing. Fuck, I was so angry. <laughs> Is this is this diaper baby Midian no. or is there another? <laughs> no. no, it gets further. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, how literal is it that like the diaper baby Midian? <laughs> like, are we? Is there a new gimmick? Okay, you'll know. You'll know. Oh man. Yeah. Well, one thing I can assure you, Eric, you won't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, so so Midian and Viscera are attacking in the boiler room. Rock comes to Mankind's aid. Uh, they battle him off. Mankind goes for the high five. Rock ignores Mankind going for the high five. And that's when we get Mankind saying, know your mouth and shut your roll. And I also thought Funny. it was, I, I appreciated uh, the Rock got to interrupt Michael Cole about Louise earlier. It doesn't matter what her name is. And like got to deliver it later. And it felt like Chekhov's uh, the Rock promo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yes. They, they introduced it in the first act. And later on, they were like, it doesn't matter what her name is. I was like, oh, finally. Thank you. Whew, all right. We can proceed. Now. But also it does because Louise's birthday is nice. <laughs> uh, but this is my favorite part of this uh segment i believe is when the rock talks about talking trash in his sleep yep and his impression of himself snoring like a cartoon character and saying like rudy poo or whatever was so fucking yeah. funny to me that mm-hmm. what now that's 
comedy. <laughs> I but, really enjoyed that. Well, but the but the entire tableau also includes uh, Michael Cole with a T-shirt over his head because The Rock <laughs> refuses to look at him. Yes, that was also. And he says, "Like, don't shake, don't don't move your head." Yeah. Uh, I I really liked the Taker promo. Uh, there's a there's a promo with Undertaker where. He, you can see that that he's getting real. He's getting real pissed. He he kind of slips from character, and he talks about uh about the rocks stick. <laughs> he definitely can't yes, say yes. stick. His comedy. I had this too. I said Undertaker comedy stick. I said let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I want to take a ride in your comedy stick. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I read that <laughs> until just now. Oh, that was fun. Oh my god. You that's like that's how that's how a fucking that's how a fucking Texas Texan talks. He probably goes, Hey, can I get a smear on my bagel? <laughs> but the reason- what a putt. <laughs> Sorry, go on. But the reason that the Undertaker is talking is because Mankind and the Rock challenged him to a match tonight and the Undertaker accepts, accepts it will be a dark side rules match. What is that? We'll find out soon enough. Oh, let me tell you. Dark side rules. Rocket suck drools. Let's let's talk about the rules of a dark side rules match. Apparently. I love it. The rules of a dark side match are you find three wrestlers that are quantifiably shittier than you. And you let them defend (laughs) your title belt while you sit there and watch them lose like a fucking sucker. (laughs) Yeah. Dark side rules is everybody who, who claims to be on the dark side, which is three people now you lost so many people in your fucking little faction he couldn't get a john cafferty and the beaver brown man dark side rules we take one of the most even at this point legendary respected veteran badass wrestlers we take his title belt and we go you know what midian it's on you tonight (laughs) (laughs) you're in charge what the actual and then I'm gonna sit here and watch from commentary and I'm like and no one thinks this is weird. <laughs> like no one <laughs> no one thinks this is a bad idea. First of all, imagine imagine what it takes like the brain that Undertaker has to go uh Midian should wrestle and I should be on commentary. Like <laughs> both of those things are wrong, right? Like you can't even do commentary. Yeah, if anything, Undertaker should wrestle and Midian should die. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Midian should not be breathing. <laughs> and Viscera can make a no bake cookie. Guys. Uh friend of the pod, uh favorite listener one of our favorite listeners, Daniel Croxton, alerted us to a WWF cookbook from this time period, which don't worry, we have already obtained. Um, and it features one of my favorite things that I found in it was a recipe for viscerous no bake cookies, which I think is the funniest fucking thing I could possibly think of. I texted Aaron and Eric and I was like, <laughs> on Monday nights, I'm a 500 pound undead monster, but on the weekends, I'm a mom. <laughs> it's like, it's so. <laughs> I don't know, time to turn the oven on to bake cookies. So I make these no-bake cookies. Like, what the actual fuck? Amazing. What is a no-bake cookie? Please tell me what a no-bake cookie is. Is it is it is it a carrot? <laughs> Do you slice a potato and then just put a chocolate chip on Midian it? Midian just, just makes a, a whole bunch of cookie dough and then just reaches his fist in and shoves it in his mouth. I'll tell you what. Viscera grabs about 10 boxes of graham crackers, 25 packages of cream cheese, lays them all out, and does a big running splash onto them. And that's his no-bake cookie. (laughs) But these are the two people who Undertaker is like, I know myself and the Big Show, two legitimate monsters with a whole career of, like, stuff that we've accomplished and huge stars. Big Show less so. But still, worlds ahead of Midian and Viscera... Viscera was there a third? Look, I wouldn't put Viscera in a technical challenge on Great British Baking Show, let alone in a tag team title match against the Rock of Mankind. Yeah. The Great British No Baking Show, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. They made donuts once for a for a thing, so they don't always bake. True. You're true. a you're a former world champion. You're going against two other former world champions, and you decide to send three non former world champions in to do. The work terrible 
If only he hadn't chosen dark side rules. Like he could have chosen <laughs> I wrestle rules. Wrestler versus wrestler rules for for the wrestling belt yeah. that I want to hold if on only to. Only had chosen wrestling match. <laughs> oh wait, is this one? Is this match? Is this is this championship rules or is this dark side rules? Oh okay. Dark side rules. You can't defend your own title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really. Oh man. Now I I want to make it my sole life goal to uh, to to make myself a writer for WWE and then just get fired immediately after I pitch a dark side rules match again. Okay, well you have to see. You have to understand. Undertaker loses a fiddle competition. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in case you guys couldn't tell. Undertaker loses the belt without participating in the match for which he chose the rules. Uh, well, because well, because there's that moment where he's like, "Ah, yes, Kane is here now to help." Wait, Kane is not with me. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm. I haven't been watching every week, but I've been watching some stuff. I think I know that Kane's not with you. Maybe, maybe check out and see who's who's your man's before you. Oh no, we're not. No, okay. Undertaker needs like a whip. You know what I mean? That they have in Congress, like to go around and be like, "You voting for Undertaker?" Like, what do we got? <laughs> Can we get you to co-sign yeah, this? Undertaker dark doesn't, rules doesn't. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't do dark side rules unless he knows he's gonna win it. Or he yeah. needs an actual whip to whip Kane into the ring and make him wrestle. Or an actual whip to whip Rock and Mankind and retain his title belt that he earned as a wrestler. <laughs> Uh, September 23rd, SmackDown, um, Rock comes out, there are members of the Dallas Stars there, I don't know who they are, um, Mankind got a cup for The Rock. That was cute. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Doc says, this is the most unlikely tag team in WWF history, because on this show, there can be no subtext, only text. Also, never mind the fact that, like, The Rock... I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was, I believe, tag team champions with Mankind, Dude Love, and Cactus Shack at one point. So, not only had there been, maybe not weirder, but certainly as weird tag teams, being that it was pretty much the same exact story. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've got Austin... Yeah, what Austin about Southern Justice? The Body Donnas, they do some good references to the Body Donnas later, actually. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah. Kip and Zip. Skip and yeah. Zip, yeah. Uh, but Road Dog is here. Um, the New Age Outlaws reunite, and the crowd goes apeshit. Um, yeah, I they just... Say, they say maybe the greatest tag team in WWF history, and yes, maybe Mr. Ass is the best natural athlete. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I there's something. I, I I'm. Hmm. I'm like over the outlaws at this point. Like it doesn't everything. It's just like I don't know. Maybe it was just like a mood I was in with everything. But I just felt everything about this was like the meaner side of like wrestling humor. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get into some like uh lo- uh low key high key homophobia throughout next week's episode. Yep. Uh. But there is, like, everything is very mean-spirited, repetitious, and, like, base-level humor. And that's, like, very much so starts to become, like, the ethos of the product. Uh, And I definitely felt myself, even watching this, enjoying it so much less. And thinking back to even, you know, a few months ago, the things, the same people I was enjoying so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just through, Eric, what you were saying, like, earlier about repetition, and a little bit what you were saying, Aaron, about almost, like, the cruelty of the humor isn't fun. Yeah, no, um, I was really like, I was like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to react to this whole storyline. Like, uh, but it sounds like I was getting tired at exactly the time where it becomes tiring. Yeah. Um, by the way, I did note, I, I had a note that was like, Road Dog's hair is 10,000% better. And then I saw the, uh, the, the long, like, rat tail braid in the back. And I was like, nope, I take it back. <laughs> Never mind. Point rescinded. Um, 
I thought oh. I thought that this though was a pretty good TV match. I agree. I actually I had noted that was like one of the better outlaw matches, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ends. Uh, New Age Outlaws are the new champions, and The Rock is upset with mankind. Is this the end of our heroes? <laughs> <laughs> and so it would set the stage for Unforgiven, which again, if you have not listened to, it's available now wherever you get your podcast. It would also set the stage for the most highly rated segment in Raw history. And what is that segment? Well, you will have to wait for next week for that. In the meantime, though, love us, disagree, want to... Borrow badass Billy Gunn's choker? Um, Make us wrestle for The Undertaker's belt (laughs) (laughs) on on his behalf. You could wrestle me, The Undertaker, or you could wrestle these three podcast hosts <laughs> who know nothing about wrestling. Oh, shit, it's Helena Podcast, uh, Helena, Helena Cell Phone Rules? Oh, no. Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Helena Cell Pod, or tweet at us individually, Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mets by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or where you forget your podcast. We'll be back again for part two next week and join us in two weeks for Rebellion 1999.